Hello, welcome to 1823 Podcast from Liverpool John Moores University. I'm Stuart Arrowsmith. This is the third episode of our mini-series exploring what happens next in a world living with COVID-19. In this episode, we look at the impact of the virus on our environment and whether it can help to change attitudes towards the planet. There's so many things that we, we can learn, that we are learning right now. One is adapting to a different way of living. We can do it. We've all, all done it. Um, and yeah, our individual actions collectively really do result in, in genuine steps that we need to be taking. This is 1823 Podcast. Lockdown has had a dramatic impact on our environment. Carbon emissions have been drastically reduced during the pandemic and nature has flourished. So will this glimpse of a greener world convince us to change our ways and create a genuinely new normal, or will we simply return to our old habits? I'm joined by Dr. Ariel Edesis, a postdoctoral researcher at LJMU's Low Carbon Eco Innovatory. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me. That's okay. How are you doing? How have you been through the lockdown? Um, I've been faring pretty well. Um, it, it's not. It's 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 definitely changed the way we do work. Because I, especially because I work with businesses, so that's been by far the biggest change. I suppose it's trying to adapt daily, which is kind of what we do anyway, to be honest, when we're dealing with climate change and other um, sustainability areas. Yeah, and this this whole situation is is really interesting in what it means for the work that you do. Mm. Um, which is all about reducing carbon emissions from businesses and so on. Before we talk about COVID-19 and the impacts, perhaps just give the listeners a little insight into what you do at the Eco Innovatory and the the kind of mission that you have there. Yeah, Um, it's pretty straightforward, but it's a little bit hard to explain because the projects are so bespoke, depending on what the companies need. And as we've just seen, it also needs to be very adaptable. So what we do is it's an ERDF funded project. So we have funding from the EU for another few years. And the idea is that we can work with any small to medium sized business. Um, And I can work either with businesses in Liverpool or else in in Lancashire as well. And the kind of remit of the project is really broad. But the goal is that we have to reduce carbon emissions. And I think that it's been this really interesting challenge for me to, first of all, see what businesses are actually doing. Secondly, understand what they understand about their missions and then third to get really creative and think about well what are ways that actually will reduce emissions that are manageable that they can take on because there's no point in me suggesting something that just is out of their if they can't do it then it doesn't matter how good it is (laughs) yeah yeah but some of the best ideas and some of the the most effective ideas are actually they're the small things that businesses can do aren't they yeah i think they're well we have this tendency especially when we talk about climate change to think I think a lot of us think about in terms of technology only. And this, I've noticed a big change in the way we talk about this. I think there's a wider recognition that the other things like our our diet and these kind of more more social um, areas really, really impact in in our own behavior. So I think it's been a bit of a change. And And I think that what the biggest, what the most obvious example from the last, you know, few months is it is our behavior. I mean, the emission reduction has happened because a lot of industries are obviously not running. And there is a lot to do with that. But there's more to do about our behavior and what we've changed. There's been this, there's always this feeling, which I really understand, which is, I mean, what can we as as individuals do? Um, which I always think is kind of a funny one, because the only, 
I'm going to make a joke here, but I do think it's true. In the movie Life of Brian, they all shout, yes, we are all individuals. And I do think this is exactly what that means is, well, on our own, it doesn't make a big difference. But we've just actually I've seen that if if we keep sort of in this lockdown state or if we sort of keep a similar level to where we're at now, we could go down by about 7% in emissions this year. Um, I think if it goes back to pre-pandemic levels, it could go down by 4%. And that's, that's, that's meaningful. I mean, I think about that differently because I, I've read a lot of things that suggest that we need to go down by 7 to 8% every year this decade. And that's been a bit of, I mean, I, I am aware of this, but I think in seeing the level of change in our lives and how it's gone down 7%, which is still not enough, that really needs to wake us up to the fact that this is not enough, unfortunately. Even that wasn't enough. Um, on the one hand, I think it's this, it, there's so many things that we, we can learn, that we are learning right now. One is adapting to a different way of living. We can do it. We've all, all done it. Um, and yeah, our individual actions collectively really do result in, in genuine steps that we need to be taking. And where have those reductions come from during the lockdown? Presumably, transportation must be the biggest part of that and I guess just generally the energy demand of being in offices and industry? I think so. Um, it's actually an interesting question because I think it'll also really depend on where the place is. Um, well, I've seen something that said, I, I don't want to, I guess I'll make estimates on numbers, but I think I've seen that the reductions due to flying, I think it's gone down about 10%, which is not that much if we think about how little people are flying now. So I guess what that tells us is that the emissions from aviation, whilst very high, maybe aren't the thing, I, I guess I want to be careful. Well, yes, we need to massively go down in our aviation emissions, but the ground transport and maybe the way our infrastructure is set up has actually not led to as big a reduction as maybe we could have seen. Actually, something I've been interested in as well is a few other things and what has made it go down. I mean, I imagine that transport has been a huge one. I do think that's probably the biggest, I'm guessing. But I've also been wondering about, because obviously lots of restaurants are doing a lot um, less business, has that also led to a measurable reduction in food waste? Because that would have a very, very, very big impact. Um, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I do think it's, a, it's an interesting question to look into. And I, I do think there's a lot of research on the different sectors and how they've um, reduced. And I assume this must be the single biggest factor that's seen a reduction in carbon emissions on this scale in our lifetime. This time, oh yes. Yeah, in fact, this is the biggest reduction in carbon emissions. I mean, I've read things about how, say, after the recession, they went down, but then they shot right back up to pre-recession levels and then more right away. You've touched on the big question there, which is, will we learn from what we've seen over the last few months or will we simply snap back into our old habits? But when people see rivers running clear for the first time in decades and when they see wildlife and nature flourishing, will that be an added pressure on people to, to continue this move to reduce carbon emissions more than they were before? I'd like to think so. I think the question is more what motivates people the most. I'd like to think that people are motivated by nice green spaces. I do think some people are motivated by that. But I think that the reality, I mean, I've been thinking about this a bit differently because I've been thinking about it in terms of who is most likely to be impacted, say, by, by coronavirus. Well, it tends to be people in, in sort of lower income areas, 
it tends to be people in more polluted areas. And there's kind of a simpler like health basis here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like, yeah, I suppose maybe, maybe. I, I wonder, you know, I can tell you now at my house, we've created a garden in the pandemic. And, and I, I mean, this is something we've all already wanted to do. So whether it gets new people on board, I'm not so sure. I do, I do think that there's a real health and well-being concept here that I, I wonder, I, I wonder is that more motivating to people? Yeah, and there are so many different agendas in play here, aren't there? And pressure coming from so many directions to reduce carbon emissions. As you say, there's a health agenda, there's the environmental side as well. And it comes from so many places now. Consumers increasingly want uh, Mm -hmm. more sustainable business practices. Government legislates for it. We even see with businesses like Shell, their shareholders are asking them to to act differently now so if you add in the pressure of what's happened during the lockdown as well Mm -hmm. it's quite it's quite overwhelming the demand for businesses to change isn't it I think so I mean it's been building this year anyway um there was a letter that was that was sent out in January I think it was by Larry Fink who's BlackRock investing big investing firm and you know while while this letter might be you know I, I would take it with a grain of salt I guess it it's a letter basically saying we as corporations have to not have to look beyond shareholder value. And it was just this, you know, black and white, like this is our goals have to be different now. And I kind of refer back to that a lot because if there's any, I mean, there's always this question of, yeah, but are we ready to do it? Can they make that change? And it's kind of, my thoughts are always, if enough of us just set that as the expectations, they have to. And I, I do think that we've been, you know, there has been this really, really interesting um, change in what and how corporations feel like they need to be supporting more socioeconomic causes. I mean, just look at the protests happening um, the last few months. It has become clear that um, things that would have been too dangerous for them to get behind really just a few months ago, they can't not get behind it. I always feel like we can make these really big changes. It's just it's hard to imagine that. But... And we're living through it. We can just point to things like, yeah, but look, they are listening. They are responding. Whether or not the meaning and, and everything is really there, I kind of think that's irrelevant because they're clearly getting the messaging. Yeah, and I recall reading one of the articles that you wrote earlier this year, I think it was, where you were saying when you go out to all of these businesses, in most cases they they recognise the scale of the challenge of overcoming the problem with carbon emissions, but they don't necessarily see where they fit into the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think that the idea is like this whole idea about a green recovery and sustainability. That's not like something we should aspire to. That's what we need to expect. Just full stop. Because if we set our expectations at, you know, we under we've we've now we are now living through what happens when the whole world just changes very quickly overnight, and this is kind of exactly what climate change could result in as well. And the fact, the harder point isn't that we know whether it will result in it or it won't, but it might, and it's the uncertainty side of it, which I think is the most challenging. So when I'm thinking about like any company or, or anybody at all, it's about how you live and your awareness and if you're a company you might have an opportunity in your own company to reduce your emissions but it's and I suppose this is where it's gotten really interesting with the work we're continuing to do because the work most companies can do is online and a lot of that is training 
So the question has really gone from there are still there's still a lot of things, you know, within their their normal um, company structure, but lots of them have done this real focus on on training around sustainability. I I think I feel like this in general. We've got to not put things on a pedestal and say, well, let's aim for this and just say, well, anybody, anybody at all who lives and wants to continue living in this world, <laughs> which I hope we all do, um, has a role to play in this. And, you know, it depends on who you are, which is, and it depends on what your company does. It just depends on every step. But I just feel like the starting point is to raise awareness in general. And I, and I also think it comes back to the education side of it. Um, you know, and if we can start from those more fundamental things of, well, what, what do we do if we do have to change everything tomorrow? You know, because we might have to. We, we're going through that. Yeah, and some of those changes, I guess, will be specific to that particular business because of the nature of their business. But there must also be fairly generic changes that any business could make and yeah. that would have quite an effective impact. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, get, I feel like it's a little bit hard to say without doing like a baseline, which if I can just quickly plug for our team, that is something that we do. We carbon footprint estimations and we help companies with that because without without knowing where you're emitting, it's really difficult to know where to change because a lot, I mean, there are some basic things like changing to LED lights, um, the more I'm digging into uh, where we get our electricity from, it's it's very easy to switch to a company which transparent is transparent and gets their all their energy from a renewable energy company from from renewable energy sources. I've I've actually done that myself because I couldn't confirm that the company I was using before uses renewable energy. So I've spoken with my you know, with where I will spend money, basically. And I think that's a step anybody, anybody, individual or company can take. Um, you know, it's also like that, you know, it's also the companies that you work with. I mean, in terms of making sure you work with a company who is transparent about where they're putting your waste, not thinking that just because you're recycling a bunch of things that you're all fine, because if you actually just look at the concrete emissions, recycling can be higher emissions than landfilling. Um, so it's about it's a back to this awareness thing as well. So I think I think number one, from an individual level, you can consider what what emits. I mean, I think what one exercise that I think is really good to do, which I do myself all the time, is more or less just write down like a daily, like what do we what do you do every day? And in that routine, where are the things that would lead to emissions? I mean, raise our awareness, look around us, pay a bit more attention to what we're doing. If you use something once and you throw it away, why did you have to? I think most of us know at this stage we need to we need to reduce our meat and dairy. I don't really believe everybody should just become vegan now because I think, you know, we are, we're always going to have unintended consequences. And I also think, I mean, if you try to make too big of a change, you're less likely to maintain it for forever. So you could try to do you know, one thing I've done is I've, I don't have dairy milk anymore. And that's just been something I personally can do. Now, I think they to pay, we've got to pay attention there as well, because it can be easy to say, yes, but I'm having almond milk. But the water needed and the land use for almond milk can be comparable to dairy anyway. So we've got to bet back to the awareness thing. But I, th I do think reducing meat and dairy is a very concrete and very, very big step most of us can take. I mean, the other big thing, which I 
I really quite like, I mean, educating girls and um, family planning, those kinds of projects, those can be more impactful than almost anything else in reducing emissions. So if we're here, you know, that doesn't mean that that's something that everyone can have a direct say in, but you could, you know, as you're looking into, well, where do I spend my money or where do I do my carbon offsets or things like that? You could look into an organization which specifically maybe increases the number of girls who, you know, finish secondary school. I just mean, what I mean is that the ways that we can all help are vast. <laughs> and it's about, it's starting from, I think, connecting to your life around you and just really being aware. I mean, I think there's a lot of talk about mindfulness as well, which has been going on in terms of just mental well-being. But I put that in the same category here because by being mindful, you are more conscious of your decisions. And I just think that little bit of extra consciousness, I mean, eventually, hopefully more and more, but if each one of us just woke up a little bit more to what we were doing each day, you know, you might unplug your computer and not leave it plugged in overnight. And and I think over time, every one of these habits really builds up. There's obviously the agenda to push towards becoming carbon neutral, but increasingly there's talk about going further than that and becoming carbon negative. Is that a realistic goal sort of within our lifetimes? And, you know, will the impact of lockdown and looking at what we could be like, will that help that, do you think? To be honest, I don't think we have a choice, but to, to make carbon, the thing, I think the danger about carbon neutral is that kind of implies that your carbon was actually, like any carbon you emitted was actually taken in. And I just think that the, that's not really the case because, and this is actually a much more interesting question because people think about your, your carbon emissions in terms of like, if you're burning something, but we're not really thinking about, well, what, what's, what about if I'm adding yet another kilogram of um, CO2 to the atmosphere into, you know, what are the social outcomes from that? Um, so I think, sorry, I just, I got a bit distracted. There. By the cat. <laughs> By the cat. <laughs> um Okay, I think the only way that we can genuinely take in our carbon that's been taken out, there's lots of really interesting carbon sequestration projects. Um, there is some interesting technology there. There's other projects like um, rewilding, planting trees. That really is effective. However, just because you've planted a bunch of trees does not guarantee that those trees are going to last for the thousand years they need to to take in the carbon that you emitted. Um, and that, that's, we've got to understand that. And we simply don't have the land mass in the earth to plant the number of trees that we need to. So something else has to happen. And there, there is, I mean, I do think some technology like, like um, carbon capture and storage has a place, but I think it should be the expectation, not, not the thing that we, that, that that's not going to save us. <laughs> we, we have to do that, that anyway. Um, but I do actually think carbon negative is, is and could be a real thing from my own reading and understanding. I know Microsoft has actually pledged to go carbon negative. So they have to take in their emissions that they're putting out, um, as well as all these offsetting projects, as well as changing their entire structure of how they run. But I do think it is possible. And I think we should accept it. Ex expect it. Yeah. Ariel, thanks for chatting to us. And thanks to the cat for their appearance as well. <laughs>
I, I knew at some point he'd probably leap into the middle and I was just hoping it wouldn't be like this loud thud. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Ariel, thanks for chatting to us on the podcast. That's uh, Dr. Ariel Edesis. And we'll leave you now with a preview of what we'll be talking about in the next episode. There's no doubt about it. Businesses were massively impacted. And I think the sort of suddenness really was what was quite unsettling. The suddenness of the, the lockdown, you know, it was, it was talked about. It's like, are we going to go into lockdown? We could see what's happening in Italy. And then suddenly it happened to us. But, you know, as, as we've gone on, um, furloughed staff and laid off staff, you know, they're starting to ease back into the workspace. You know, but the ways in which we all work now, you know, they've changed massively. And I think that will be a legacy that, that sticks around as well.